Welcome to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. Awesome. Well, welcome back to another episode of Gain, Grow, Retain. We've got Gaetano Dinardi, who is the Director of Growth Marketing at Nextiva. So uh, Gaetano, appreciate you spending some time with us today. Looking forward to uh, the talk. Yeah, Jeff, thank you. Uh, it's, uh, it's a pleasure to finally connect and, and uh, get to know each other a little bit and chat it up about growth, marketing, retaining, all that stuff. So let's, let's get into it, man. I love it. All right. Well, we always like to start with the oddball question, fun question, something a little different. So um, if you, again, we've kind of haven't been able to travel this year, we'll say for the most part. So if you were looking at your, what's your next vacation going to be? Where's your dream spot right now? Like, where do you wish you were in terms of a vacation, um, you know, that you can give our audience? How, how can we get there with you right now? Yeah. Um, I've been low key fiending to, to visit Mykonos, Greece and oh. travel through Greece, man. I've been seeing all these Insta, you know, worthy <laughs> pics and you know, all that. And I'm like, damn, I mean, I live in a great spot in Miami. You can't go wrong with that either. But I mean, Greece is just one of those magical places I've never been yet. So as soon as uh, travel to the EU is fully permitted from the US, I think I'll be looking at flights to Greece. That sounds pretty cool. How about yourself? Yeah, that's a great one. Well, uh, I've got an easy one. Uh, but, so I'll give you that one real quick and then I'll try a different one. But my, my wife and I were supposed to go on a trip to Italy in about May. And so we had to unfortunately cancel that. Um, and so now the other spot, which I would love to get back to, or at least I'm, I've been dreaming about is um, also not in a good situation right now, but uh, out in wine country of like uh, California, I think it'd be awesome to go out and yeah. uh, do a wine trip and, and kind of go enjoy the weather out there, uh, get out of the humidity of Charleston. And so uh, that's another one I've been dreaming about. We went out there maybe six or seven years ago and I've been kind of figuring out, like, trying to figure out when I can go back. Cool. Yeah. Now Napa Valley, Sonoma is great. And then of course, you know, I'm Italian, so wine and the the first place you mentioned sounds pretty good. <laughs> I've obviously, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I spent a lot of time in, in Italy. My, my parents, they're from Campania, the, the Southern region near Naples and Salerno. So I've, oh I've been fortunate and blessed enough to travel through Italy a lot and connect with my family roots. And uh, I, I also look forward to the day when we can all go back because they're missing us as well. They need our tourism dollars and they, they need a economic boost. So oh my gosh, that yeah. can happen soon. Uh, awesome. Well, Gaetano, I know you've got a ton of different experiences through your career. Um, you know, you've kind of held a ton of what looks like just customer facing roles. You've always been interacting with customers in some degree, right? Through marketing, through sales. And so I'm curious right now, like, um, how do you think about just in some of the early days kind of positioning, um, not customer success related, but is how do you, how are you thinking about some of the brand interactions that you're having? Cause that, I feel like sometimes can set up, you know, how, how somebody perceives the company as they go through and become an actual customer. And then that kind of flows into, you know, how we service them on the you know customer success side, so to speak. So I'm curious, how do you think about some of those early brand interactions and, and what does that really uh, mean for you? Yeah, man. So, you know, the hard truth is that your customers today need you a lot less than they used to. Um, they learn from friends, they learn from peers, they learn from other customers, um, and they would rather help themselves as much as they can than call you for stuff. So um, there's been many, many stats that have come out that customers don't really believe marketers and, you know, marketers are deceptive and they don't trust salespeople. Um, everyone just kind of, you know, tries to inflate the truth, um, about what it is that they're trying to learn. So what that means is, especially in the world that, that I'm in, uh, which is cloud communication, um, cloud phone systems, um, it is an industry that is heavily reliant upon doing a lot of industry research, um, and due diligence as part of the buying process. So they come to us 
at Nextiva pretty much 85 to 90% of the way there. Um, they've narrowed it down to usually two solutions and, um, you know, uh, they, they pretty much already know what's up. So, so, uh, in terms of just like customer experience and brand, you know, it's everything because we're also in a highly commoditized market where, you know, there's not many things that make one cloud phone system different than the other, uh, especially because we're in this um, new category called UCAS, which is unified communication as a service. And pretty much all the, you know, all the UCAS tools out there do the same thing. We all offer HD video conferencing. Some do it through Zoom, some do it through Amazon Chime, such as Nextiva. You know, we partner with Amazon Chime. Um, we all offer voice over IP phone system, desktop, mobile app, team, team collaboration and messaging tools, you name it, business text messaging, right? So the only way to differentiate is brand. That's really the only way. And the way you have to do that is by owning your positions on review websites. Um, you have to have the best and most authentic uh, and in-depth, I think, case studies, the most helpful case studies. You've got to get um, channel partners and resellers to, to be promoting you more than the other brands that they're selling. Um, and there's many other things that go into it, but maybe I'll just pause there because there's a lot to unpack. But, you know, the unique challenge that we face in the world of, you know, cloud communication is that everyone's the same. Everyone says the same thing and differentiation is hard. So yeah. maybe we can pause there and, and let that sit. But that's kind of what I deal with in a, in a nutshell on a daily basis. Yeah, no, that's great. And I'm, I'm glad you hit, you hit on one word that has been sticking in my mind for um, quite a while now, because I think, um, again, a new position here at HireLogic, director of customer experience and really trying to look across our business. And to me, what we've been trying to do in the early days is just trying to, <clears throat> trying to assess, you know, what do our customers think of us? We're doing a lot of listening just to try and understand. And, and the word you touched on that I loved is this authenticity piece. Uh, because I think to go along that same thread you were going down, which is like, you know, there's so much information out there now and everyone has gotten automated emails and messages before they've gotten all these different, all the tips and tricks I feel like so far have pretty much been out. And so, um, I actually think the more that you can get back to that authenticity, the more you can get back to kind of being real straightforward, kind of blunt with your customers, um, yeah. that it's really going to pay off dividends for you because that, again, like you mentioned, right. It's a kind of differentiation point as you think about the brand element and the interactions that people have with your, your company, not only, you know, the human interactions, but what does your website look like? What are your email communications look like? What does your email signature say? Like there's all these little, little moments that I feel like add up to make bigger moments at the end of the day. Um, and those all kind of matter now a lot more. Like you said, those are all differentiation points that people need to be thinking about and considering. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, the thing that's interesting, I saw a report that says millennials do not respond to ads. So what does that mean for the future? Well, <laughs> ads are going to be a lot less relevant, a lot less impactful. Um, so organic brand is, is going to be the way to win. And, um, I, I like what Seth Godin said. He said he, the way he thinks about brand is it's a set of expectations, memories, stories, and relationships that when you put all that together will ultimately account for a consumer's decision to choose one product or service over another. So branding is like, it's slight, you know, it's this sort of slight change of perception over time that, that consumers will form an opinion. Um, and they will start to associate your brand with certain things. Like it's great. For example, on, on the demand gen side, we love when we see our branded search traffic going up, especially when it connects to products that we sell. So when we see like Nextiva cloud phone system or Nextiva VoIP system or Nextiva CRM, 
that's a really good sign because that means we're doing a good job creating organic demand um, because the the trend is 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 going upward around those search terms. So branded search, um, it, it's it's really important, and I think um, a lot of marketing teams they focus a lot on the non-branded because that's the non-branded means you know net new discoverability. But I think brand uh, search increasing month over month uh, over time is a reflection of stickiness and 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 high um, I think high potential to to achieve. Uh, great retention with the people who are searching for those products. So that's another way to win in a commoditized market. Sorry for the rant there. No, no, no. It's okay. You're, um, I used to work in the digital marketing world for uh, about 10 years of my career. So like we could, you know, I feel like I could go down that path. Like we could, we could turn this from a customer success podcast to a marketing <laughs> one really quick. But, um, but no, I, the other point that I love that you just pointed out there too, is the the fact that um, everything's kind of interrelated, like you mentioned, right? Like, like somebody's searching a branded term of, you know, Nextiva's not just because they all of a sudden got it in their head, but because of some other interaction that they had with us. Um, and it was, you know, created through that organic demand. So like, just to your point, it could have been a channel partner that they saw some sort of, you know, pamphlet from or something that, you know, triggered them to that want to go search this. It could have been a social interaction or something else, but that that's kind of telling you, you know, I think a lot of times, um, maybe what I've seen in my career is sometimes, uh, people get stuck on the fact of like, what is the, what is the, um, association that we can make directly with something. And sometimes it has to be, you know, you kind of have to look at it a little bit more broadly and say that there's sometimes indirect associations that end up making it really effective for us. And you kind of have to be okay with that. Um, and just understand that, you know, how, where can we invest time where we know that some of these indirect associations are going to help, um, to actually help us win at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. And I think, uh, you know, with COVID, um, a lot has happened with brand, with brands, and customer experience. Uh, one example that um, that always comes back to the top of my mind was Spirit Airlines. They um, they're big on on sending automated. I mean, all the airline providers are, are big on this, but Spirit in particular, they're big on sending automated emails to customers. So, trying to automate the cust- customer marketing in, in a way. So when this is kind of an example when customer experience goes wrong. Um, as soon as like the coronavirus thing really blew up they already, whoever, I'm sure whoever runs their email marketing or marketing automation got fired, but there was an automated email that went out like the day that like travel was banned that said book a trip today. (laughs) So, you know, that's, that's where machine, that's where machine operating and automation goes wrong. Um, and like, I remember you said earlier in the call, Jeff, um, you said, uh, authenticity and being human is like really important in customer experience that only becomes more important during something like coronavirus, because when you try to automate shit, um, and you send, Hey, book a trip today, uh, the, the same day that, you know, international travel gets banned or pretty much all travel gets banned, you know, you, you're stuck there, you know, hold, holding the empty cookie jar. So yeah, that sucks. No, it's a great example. Uh, and I, and you know, I think the, the thing that we've started to learn a lot, you know, as we look at customer success is that, that element too, because, um, again, we're, as the customer comes in and actually becomes a customer, um, you know, whether it's, whether you can automate parts doesn't necessarily mean you ha- like you should or have to, right? Like there can be um, some human elements that actually maybe differentiate yourself or just to your point, like maybe add some of that uh, experience around your brand that just is the slight difference, right? Where maybe your competitor automates that point and you do it human and, and that's a big difference for, for you or something along those lines. So I think there's always yeah. those moments you should be kind of looking at and actually saying, yes, we can automate this, but should we is like the second question you'd be asking like right behind that. Well, yeah. So I would have, 
if I was like their VP of marketing, I would have paused all automated. I mean, we did it at Nextiva. As soon as we realized how bad coronavirus was, we like paused like every nurture. We paused everything. Everything just got, just got paused yep. uh, because we didn't want to look like Spirit Airlines. So that was one thing. Um, but if you look at that industry, like there's another famous example of hotels.com who did the exact opposite. They actually did a, and you want to talk about great customer experience and just great, I think, um, not being tone deaf in a world where, uh, you know, a tragedy is happening. Um, hotels.com did an ad where they were talking about captain obvious as the character in the ad telling you not to book any hotels right now. It's things are going to be socially distant for a while. Just stay home, you know, crack open a bag of popcorn and watch a damn movie. Um, and you'll get back. And that's genius because I can, I can pretty much assure you that people that are thinking about booking stuff now are now probably going to hotels.com remembering that, that moment. Right. So, um, there's good ways and bad ways to do it. You know, negative down, down, uh, thumbs down for spirit thumbs up to hotels.com. I love those examples. Those are perfect. Um, well we were chatting a little bit before this and, um, I think one of the interesting questions that we were going to try to chat through today is, you know, from the marketing, from your, your marketing and, and sales experience, right. You're always trying to look at, uh, are we bringing in the right customers? You know, does it fit what we're trying to do with our product? Are we giving them the right experience? Can we, you know, are they profitable for us? There's probably all these questions that come in your mind, right? Like that's the, the big thing. And so um, I think maybe give us some examples or how have you thought about that in your career? Like how do you go find the right customers to bring in? And then how do you kind of validate that as you are kind of moving along, right? So what's the, what are some of the trigger points that as you're moving along, you're saying, okay, yes, we're still on the right track or no, we're, we're, we need to make adjustments. How do those come up to light for you? Yeah. Um, this is going to sound pretty cliche, but it's that classic, how much does it cost to acquire the customer and you know, what's their lifetime value? How long do they stick around? Um, I think where marketing teams get in trouble is they start looking at things from sort of the, the face value kind of at the, at the entry uh, point metrics or the, they look, they focus a little bit too much on the leading metrics. So like, um, and, and from Google ads, for example, if you're just looking at cost per customer acquisition and conversion rates from ads to form submissions, um, and you're not looking at what's happening on the back end of that, like what is the average deal amounts that those um, leads close at and then going even further and saying, well, how long do they, do they even stick around? The reality is you're not, you're not going to know if those customers are any good or not. All you know is, Hey, um, you know, our cost per lead is going down. We're acquiring them at this rate. Awesome. I'll just keep the hamster wheel going. But that's why most companies are not running profitable ad, ad AdWords campaigns. Uh, in fact, most companies are probably in the negative. Um, and especially now it's, it's really, um, I would say magnified greatly by the fact that venture capital is just pouring money into these companies. So instead yeah. of grow profitably and grow smart, it's grow at all costs, <laughs> literally, literally at all yeah, costs. Yeah. Like we're, we're going to dump money into this. Yeah. Yeah. It's literally grow at all costs. I don't care how far in the hole we need to be because we're just going to raise another round and keep doing this. Um, and so, um, you know, that just, that just creates so many problems. It, it creates so many problems for so many, in so many ways for so many people. It, it, who it hurts really more than anyone else is I think, um, the SMB kind of up and comers who are actually trying to grow profitably and smart. Like they're just going to get out muscled from a dollar perspective. So, um, you're not going to be able to run ad campaigns against giants who are just bleeding everywhere. Right. So that's, that's one thing. The second thing is you're just contributing to the wealth of Google and Microsoft. Like you're just, yep. you know, contributing to the endless bottomless money pit, which is Google and Microsoft. And, um, you're just making them richer by the day. Congratulations. Um, and then the, th the third thing that actually really sucks is, um, this is kind of where, you know, your world meets the marketing world, but it's, 
you know, you're spending, let's say, let's, let's use Nectiva for example, right? Um, I don't know if you know this, but some keywords are as expensive as 150 to $200 a click, like cheap VoIP, right? Cheap oh VoIP. Gosh. Yeah. That's a big key. That's a big keyword in terms of volume and cost per click. But what kinds of people do you think are searching for cheap VoIP? <laughs> right? People who don't have that much money, probably less than five liners. They're probably going to complain a ton. Um, they're usually, they usually, you know, um, get set off by the smallest little imperfection. It's those people that are going to those review sites and leaving you one stars. They're clogging up your support queues. Um, they're the payback periods suck. Um, you know, it's a compounding wheel of problems that happen with that. So instead of companies realizing, all right, these company, these customers who, um, they're not the most valuable, uh, we should just, or acquire those as organically as we can and only spend money to acquire the ones that are actually worth acquiring. And, yeah. and I know I just went on a massive rant, but <laughs> no, that's no. in a nutshell, that's like the problem that like marketers have to face every day. Um, and the ones who don't look at the back end and talk to your support teams and actually listen to support calls, you're just not going to know um, if you're doing a good job or not. You're only impressing yourself and your CMO with vanity metrics in, in terms of, hey, we're acquiring leads at this cost, but you actually don't know if it's contributing to profitability of the company. Yeah, no, ton, ton of awesome things that uh, I want to pull out of there too, because so where, where I kind of like try and latch in from, like you mentioned, like where our worlds collide on that too, is from the customer success side of the world, what we should be, and what we just, we're actually going through this exercise right now. We're actually seg- resegmenting our customer base um, and we're trying to closely align it with how marketing and sales thinks about it. It's not, it's not exact, but there's, it's, it is similar enough. And one of the reasons why we're trying to do that is so that we can actually go walk into sales and marketing and say, Hey, here's where we're seeing retention rates here. Here's what the average deal size is for these segments of customers. Hey, here's, here's the average tenure of that customer. Um, and so we can actually start to help and, you know, bridge that gap more so than I think, you know, we have today. Um, and they don't have to go pull the data, right? Like we've already got the data. It's just been in uh, maybe a different language, so to speak, right? We've looked at it in different ways than they might be. And so if we can actually kind of align those <clears throat> a little bit more closely, then that opens up the discussion to take a different angle. And I think then, you know, to your point, right? Then we're starting to have a discussion that's like, hey, here are our best customers, here are our worst customers. And then we're allowing marketing to do what they do best, which is like, okay, how do we go spend money on the, on the best customers and then not spend money on the worst customers? And like you said, like if we're gonna get those, then you know, if they wanna come in organically, that's fine. But that, that's one exercise we're doing right now is that segmentation and trying to make sure that they're just so closely aligned that we can speak the same language and that we can bring those metrics to bear to the table, so to speak. That, that, and that's gold, that's gold right there. That, that, that's what, you know, that's what makes or breaks, I think, great companies. And another example that comes to mind for me is um, verticalized marketing. So for example, you, here, here's a common thing that happens. Um, and this is one that has happened to me from experience. We've noticed, for example, success in acquiring customers in the financial services vertical. Easy to acquire, um, sales is closing them, and there seems to be good traction and good product market fit in that vertical specifically. Unfortunately, you know, onboarding is a lot harder than what you thought. Um, a month in, there's tons of complaints and problems that were unforeseen. And two, three months later, you got like 50% churn rate on those, right? Interesting. Now, if you're not, now, if you're not working closely with your customer success and customer support allies, you're just really never going to know that unless like data ops figures it out and raises a red flag. But that, yep. could, that could be a really long time. On the contrary... Let's look at call center. Call center, very hard to acquire a customer, very expensive, um, very hard to sell, very hard to close a deal. But guess what? Once they're in there, they're the happiest. It's the best natural fit. 
there's not a lot of problems. The jobs to be done, um, use cases fit almost perfectly to what the needs of a modern day call center manager needs. So those are the kinds of insights that make or break companies. Are you smart enough to figure out that it's harder and more effort to acquire a call center customer, but they stick around longer, the paybacks are better, the average deal sizes are bigger, et cetera, et cetera, across the board. There's less complaints, less problems versus, oh, it's very easy. We can get more volume of these, <laughs> you know, um, maybe yeah. even larger lines, maybe even large line sizes in some cases. But the problems that come along with those are, you know, tremendous. Um, and then you feed that back to product. Then product has to go through this process of figuring out why, why aren't we sticky enough with financial services customers? And then you have this, this whole thing. So yeah. <laughs> that is the difference between companies who will go all the way versus companies who will think they're doing good, but are actually not doing good. Yeah. You, uh, you also, I love the, what you said earlier too, cause you mentioned, um, I, I think I picked this up, but you'd mentioned that you go listen to support calls sometimes that you've kind of gone, you know, you've lived a day in the life kind of on the back end. Um, so have you, I guess, did you just intuitively like want to go do that? Or uh, have you tried to do that in other parts of the organization as well? Just to like familiarize yourself. I'm curious, like, how did that just, how did you, I don't know, how did you go think to do that? Or how did you uh, go about executing that? Yeah. So um, if you ask how many, if you talk to any marketer, um, and you ask them like, what are, what are like the, the priority things that you do? Um, very, very few of them are going to tell you that they listen to sales calls and that they listen to support calls. <laughs> I, I even take it a step. Go. I even, I even take it a step further. I'm kind of, I'm kind of nutty in this, in this sense, but I look at sales chat transcripts, support chat transcripts. I read complaint emails. I, 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 yeah, I, I read Salesforce notes. I'm in there. I'm in, and, and, and the reason why I do that is because that's how I know that's how I'm going to win Yeah. Be, because the marketers who don't do that, they're stuck looking at those front end metrics that we talked about before. They're stuck in keyword land, yep. which is important. Don't get me wrong, but you are just never going to be an elite level marketer because you're just going to be too disconnected from the end result, which is the people who are buying the product and giving your company money, which pays your damn salary. So, um, I do that because not because anyone told me to do that, but I know that we will be much better marketers as a team. Not only do I do it, but everyone on my team does it. And we, we take notes and we report back on what we learned and man, it feeds everything. It feeds messaging. It feeds, how do we know what features to prioritize? How do we know, um, what kind of frequently asked questions come up on calls so that we could just put those on landing pages and keep our support queues down because if they read the FAQs, then they won't need to call and clog up our support lines. So it's, it's just a compounding benefit that just builds up over time. And then you start to see these trends and patterns like, Oh, you know, problem with this thing with this CRM integration, you know, consistently keeps coming up. All right. Well, you know, maybe we need to improve our documentation on that. Maybe it's just our, the product is just like not working well with this integration and we need to cut it until we fix it, blah, blah, blah. Right. Yep. So it's all, all that, but the, to, to sum it all up, no one told me to do it. It's just something <laughs> I do because that's why um, I'm, I'm just going to straight up say it. That's why I'm a better marketer than pretty much most marketers out there because I do the shit that they don't do. And yeah. I don't listen to gurus and I don't listen to, um, you know, the latest Gartner CMO report that tells you you need to buy more technology in order to be successful. No, you need to listen to fucking support calls and, and sales calls. You don't need to yeah. go and buy more technology. That's not always the first answer. So I listen to your customer, right? I love that. Uh, so we did two things. Uh, this is why I love this angle. So we, 
again, we just started in this company eight weeks ago. First thing that we did was we spun up an initiative, 50 customers in 50 days. So we have this right now, we're in the midst of literally going to talk to 50 customers in 50 days. Uh, we're just open-ended questions. Hey, we're trying to meet you. Uh, and for us, it's all about just listening. Like I just, you know, I haven't been here. Like what, what's been happening? What, what have you liked about our brand? What have, you, what have you engaged with? How's our customer success team? How did you get sold? Like literally let's go do as much listening as, as we can. Um, and then we've got a community, internal community for ourselves that we're actually kind of sharing that information back to our teams to say, hey, here's what we're learning. Like, here's the things that are going great. Here are the things that aren't. We're trying to be transparent with that, we're trying to be authentic. That's the, the word we tend to use. The second thing that we're, uh, and so that 50 and 50, we're not even going to, like, we just coined it that just to make sure we could kind of give it some gravitas right now. But that's going to become an activity that we require our executives to do. So our CEO, our chief product officer, and our chief customer officer are all taking part in that 50 and 50, which is even better because we've got some executive engagement there. The, um, the second thing, like you mentioned, that um, I have tried to do myself because we serve two markets right now, or two main markets. We serve a corporate market and we serve the association space. And I don't know the association space at all. And so one of the first things that I tried to do is get access to Gong and our Salesforce. And I'm just going to listen to calls from the association so I can pick up on verbiage that they use. You know, what do they call their memberships? What do they call, uh, you know, their, their employees? What are their titles? How do they, like all those little things that I can hopefully pick up over time so that when I do have a conversation, you know, I can say, hey, I'm, I'm new here, but I'm going to try and speak in your language. Like I'm going to try and, you know, come here and be authentic about this. Um, because I think, again, to your point, like we've just seen it so many times where you start to talk in a different language or you try and say words or verbiage and the customer's like, that's not how I talk. Like, why do you keep talking to me like that? And so it's like, even, you know, serving two markets, two distinct markets, we're trying to make sure we can, uh, you know, cater and tailor our messaging to each market, even if it's just me talking on the phone. Like, I think it's, it's such a huge deal because it all goes back to, I think your original point, which is the brand is made up of all these interactions that customers are having with you and that's how they build the perception. And so again, even these, these talking touch points are going to be, be huge for them. I did. I, I love it. Uh, there's not many doing the, the 50 day thing. So, I mean, you guys are going to, I mean, that's why you're in the position that you're in, right? Cause you, I think, uh, Jeff Bezos said it best. Someone asked him, Hey, do you, do you study competitors? And he, he said, no, um, I study customers because they're the only ones that are going to give me a check. Uh, <laughs> competitors <laughs> are never going to write like me that. a check. Uh, just yeah. like Gartner's never going to write me a check. Uh, they're going to want me to write them a check. So, um, yeah, not much more to add on that. I just will comment that I think the 50 day initiative is, is genius and, um, I'm really happy you guys are doing it. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Appreciate that. Um, so maybe the last angle and then I'll let you get out of here. Um, been gracious with your time is how do you, how do you look at retention as that you mentioned, uh, before we hopped on, right? It can be used as like your growth. It can be used as an actual kind of lever for you. So how, how do you kind of look at that from your standpoint, you know, um, how are you thinking about kind of advocates helping you in that retention kind of net retention growth that you're, you're looking for? How do you think about those advocates though? That, obviously I think that becomes like the big part of, of that actually working probably the way that you want to. Um, so how do you think about advocacy programs or trying to get, you know, your current customers to kind of vouch for you and kind of be involved in some of those discussions? How does that kind of work on your end right now? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the, um, I would say the, the biggest impact thing that we have is, uh, as a referral program, um, that is incentivized with money. <laughs> our, our customers like making money. Um, and that's, that's perfectly okay. So we incentivize them to refer other partners and other companies who may be interested in our service. Um, and, uh, if it works out, we, you know, we write them a nice fat check. So, um, money talks. You know, 
yeah, money, sometimes just money talks. So that's, that's one way that we've been doing it. It's a very simple and straightforward thing, but it, it definitely works because it only works though after you successfully onboarded them. So yeah. if you, if you can't successfully onboard them, it's not going to work. We don't even try. So we have parameters around that. Um, and then what we do is we actually use Nextiva. We have a proprietary sort of health monitoring or account monitoring, uh, system that's powered yeah. by AI that will let us know, like if an account is in good standing or if something is not well or whatever. And then anytime we need to say, um, build more trust in like, I don't know, the healthcare space, we'll do a segment on, you know, who are our happiest, most healthiest accounts in the vertical of health, healthcare. And, um, you know, we'll kind of do a, a, just a eye browsing of what are some notable names in here, some brands that are impressive. And then we'll just hit them up and be like, Hey, you know, you guys have been really loyal to us. Um, what can we do to strengthen the relationship and literally just start talking to them, seeing what, what we can do to, to make their lives easier. Usually that might open up a can of worms. Like they might say, Oh, you know, I wish you guys had this feature or sometimes this doesn't work or we wish we could do this. And a lot of times, um, what they wish they had already exists. They just don't know. So yep. we set them up with, you know, their, their customer success manager to, to walk them through like how to, how to use the, the tool better and stuff like that. But the final thing that we're looking to get out of that is some kind of case study or joint co-marketing opportunity. Maybe, you know, they let us write a guest post on their blog or something like that. We co-promote, co-market each other, you know, get intros to their marketing teams and stuff like that. So um, that also goes for our vendor partners too. So like, you know, any tool that we're using, we usually hit them up, try and collaborate. So those are just some off the cuff ways. There's many others, but those yeah. are some of my favorite ways to do that. Yeah. I think the, the big thing that comes to mind for, for me is that I think generally what you see a lot of times is people going straight to the, uh, to the end, they go straight to the, like the, Hey, can you hop on the phone with my sales team? Right. Sometimes I think people just jump way too far ahead when the relationship isn't there yet. So I like the point you mentioned of just like, Hey, let's just open up the conversation. Like, Hey, you're doing well. Like, is this even something you want to do? Like, Hey, what are like, like you said, kind of what are the different tiers or levels, right? And it's like, okay, where, where do you feel comfortable helping us right now? And like in return, what can we do to help you in that same scenario, right? It's got to be win-win for everybody. Um, and I think so often what we've just seen is that people sometimes just make the assumption, oh, this, this account is good. So our marketing or sales team just automatically reaches out to them and says, hey, we've got a sales call next week. Like, are you available? Like, we'd love to have you on here. And you kind of don't warm them up. And, you, and again, you're I think the, the big thing that I've always tried to think about in these situations is that the most valuable, valuable resource to that person is their own time. Like generally what we're asking them to go do on our behalf is going to take up some, some portion of their time. And so you kind of have to think about what is, what's going to be, um, the compensation that is going to be valuable for their time. And like you said, sometimes money is just a very straightforward and simple way of saying, Hey, like you can spend as little time as possible. Cause all we need to do is you just need to send the referral over. Right. And like, we're, we'll go take care of the rest. And then some other parts though, is like, Hey, we'll get you on our, Hey, we've got a podcast that gets thousands of listens. Hey, we have a, Hey, we have a YouTube channel. We've got, um, our case studies get, you know, this many views and we're going to build you up as a person. And that's, you know, some personal brand that you get to build over time. So I think just thinking about, you know, what's in it for them and, and trying to make sure that the the time ratio kind of matches their expectations, I think can sometimes get out of whack. So I like the, I like your angle right at the beginning, which is authentic, you know, straightforward. How do you make it simple sometimes too? Yeah, exactly. Um, I think the final point to add to that is, uh, companies who try to automate this process, I think they're going to be in trouble. Um, just for the reason you said, like, just because you see that the account is in good health standing at face value, doesn't mean something didn't go wrong yesterday that you don't know about. So, yeah. uh, or something has been going wrong for a while that you don't know about. 
So, um, I would, I would say, you know, the companies who keep that human element closest to the customer and try, uh, to, to keep things authentic. Like that's been one good theme from this convo, um, and not just trying to automate everything. I think you're going to be in much better shape. Yeah. I love that point. Um, awesome. Well, Gaetano, I've enjoyed this. Uh, hopefully we'll get the, to do this again at some point. Uh, but if people want to go find you or your stuff, are you on social? Are you on LinkedIn? Like, are you, you know, do you post on Twitter? Like where, where can people go, go find you and kind of follow you if they want to uh, keep up with what you're doing? Yeah, man. Um, just go search me on LinkedIn. You can follow me there, Gaetano Denardi, or uh, I'm on Twitter as well. Um, and, uh, I also have a podcast and it's called musicians in tech. So we talk about how to market yourself in the context of the music world. Uh, as I don't think a lot of people know this, but I'm a songwriter, music producer, play the guitar, piano, stuff like that. So I nerd out over music marketing. Uh, it's the, it's the, it's the aligning. And I think like colliding of two worlds, marketing and music, that's the best way I could describe the podcast. So if you want to check that out, feel free to go search musicians in tech on Apple music, Spotify all that and you'll find it awesome yeah i'll make sure and put that in the uh in the recording notes too uh, i love it yeah i've seen i think when i sent you an email i mentioned i've seen the uh your your videos that have gone you know infamous on linkedin and i keep i keep looking for more you know these uh music monday videos that you've been putting out you know kind of put a little pep in my step sometimes because uh you know monday moods can't can't always be good <laughs> yeah yeah I, i've been doing music mondays on linkedin just because it's something different and Gosh, you know, I, I just don't know if I can keep opening up my, my, my feed and seeing cold calling versus social selling, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. gosh, like it's just a lot of the same. So I'm, I, I am just, um, you know, thinking of what can I do that's just completely off the wall, different that no one else can copy me. I love it. Copy me with. So, yeah. Well, awesome. Well, uh, Gatano appreciate it. We'll make sure that people, uh, people go listen to musicians in tech as well. And, uh, hopefully we'll get a, get the chance to uh, talk again soon, but appreciate all the time. Right on, brother. Thanks for having me. It's been a good chat and, um, you know, hopefully we can redo this in the future sometime. So thanks again for having me. Appreciate it. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.